Hello and welcome to the Navy Blue Corner. I'm Ian, joined as always by my good mate, Lockie. And the AFL draft is done and dusted for 2022. Carlton's list is all but finalised as we look ahead towards season 2023. Lockie, how are you going and how did you feel? How do you feel about the list now, um, now that the draft is over? Going very well, thank you, mate. Um, Summer's here, the sun is shining in on us right now, so it's always nice. And I thought it was a pretty nice draft period. I think uh, draft, trade, you know, off-season yeah. all together. So, you know, if you're a diehard blue bagger like us, I think uh, you should be pretty pleased with how things went. Yeah, no, I, I def- definitely agree with you. Obviously, we, we covered the draft quite a lot in the build-up. I went through quite a lot of different selections that may or may not happen. And I think that's probably the happiest thing I can say is... Did I nail the draft? Probably, but it's more that I just didn't miss out on anyone. Like I was absolutely shitting myself uh, in the lead up going, here comes Carlton. I reckon every single one of our picks, we're going to decide to choose someone that I've just decided to not cover at all in the content. And they're going to make me look like an idiot. So it was beautiful to see Nick Austin clearly watches the podcast. He listens in because I got it right to some degree, which we absolutely love to see. But yeah, I was very happy with, with what we did. I did have to look back at, uh, at the episode <laughs> and go, all right, where can I pick you apart here? What did you miss? What did you stuff up? But you did a pretty bloody good job. I, I'll give you that. No, thank you. Thank you a lot, Lockie. So should we start by talking about, I guess, you know, the, the prized pick, which was who we got with, with pick 11? Let's go straight into it. How are you feeling about uh, nailing big Ollie Hollands? It, look, it, it, in nailing it, it was a pretty obvious one. I, I think media yeah. were very much talking up the prospect of us getting Oliver Hollands. The only other real player that was quite linked in a way was probably Jed Busslinger. Would have been mm-hmm. really interesting to see what would have happened if Mateus Filippo was available at our pick, whether that would have mm-hmm. really changed the, the route that we went. I kind of, in a weird way, wish he was available just to have seen the universe, whether we, we stuck to our guns <laughs> with Hollands or, or went and pivoted. But I think yeah. it's needs-wise, it's clear that with this draft, they really attacked speed and endurance. It's something that our list profile probably lacks. If, you, if you're looking at our midfield and, and trying to be really brutal, you've got so many inside midfielders and even our outside players, not necessarily the fastest, you know, Walshy, Chera. You don't go, oh, they're quick and they'll, they'll sort yep. of run all day. Maybe definitely Walsh will run. But I, I think that getting the best two-way runner in the draft in an Oliver Hollands, really exciting. And, and, you know, I don't want to go over the profile of these players a lot in this episode because I've already covered that. If you want to listen to it, yeah, it's in the episode and even jump on our YouTube because I've compiled all the draftees in one little sort of 10 or 15 minute episode. So it goes pretty quickly, but I think with, you know, Oliver Hollands, there's that chance that he can eventually maybe move into the midfield as well. Cause he has shown at, at times in under 18 footy that he's not just a winger. I feel like we've nailed him down as this guy's just going to play wing for us, but I guess wouldn't mm. be surprised if in a couple of seasons, once he's put on a bit of size, whether he may start to be a bit more of that speed through the actual middle rather than just on the outside. Yeah. Any reason you hid from me that he was a childhood bagger? I feel like that's what you should have led with when we looked at him last week because that would have got me right on the bandwagon early. 
I actually did know that until I reckon we stopped recording and I went on Twitter and scrolled through and I was like, oh, that's the information I needed to know. Ends up happening with it with a few on, on the list that we drafted, which is so, Sorry. so beautiful. Feels like Nick Austin had about two things he wanted from all these draft picks that was like, <laughs> can they run and do they support the baggers? And it's like, tick, tick, you're tick, drafted. Tick. <laughs> <laughs> so what, what, are you, what are you kind of expecting from him for next year? Obviously, you've seen, you know, him playing at, at the level that he's been at this year. And uh, that's really, when we're at this period and we start seeing the boys hitting training, it's like, are they going to make an impact next year? Do you think a guy like mm. Ollie will be there round one? Round one's going to be interesting. He definitely can. His size worries me slightly, but being that kind of player on the outside, it probably doesn't hurt him that he is a little bit, smaller mm. in stature he's quite skinny if anyone has seen him but there's a good chance he, he plays round one wing is not a role that we have a lot of players i guess going through that and absolutely dominating at the moment we've, we've brought in a blake acres and uh, it was a bit maybe a bit more defensive i see hollands being a bit more attacking and, and pushing forward really wanting to make those forward plays for us so that's i guess mm. what i'm expecting and probably maybe another good thing with the way the list is shaping up at the moment, there's also no pressure for him to really have to come in and be a superstar yeah. straight away. Worst case, we've got O'Brien that can still use that other wing. Maybe it's a Fisher. Maybe they try someone else. You never know. So I don't think he's going to struggle in that aspect. But I mm-hmm. do think round one, I would like to see him there because just his running yeah. capacity. I think on that attacking side of the wing, we probably do need the attributes that he has. God, we're going to be able to have some great discussions <laughs> about that as we head into the season. Oh. God, I remember we spoke about it a year ago. It's such a, like, I guess, privileged position that we're in that we don't have to force someone like him in. And mm. we talked about that when we got Motlop last year. It's like, if he plays in 2022, it's going to be because he's earned it and not yeah. because, like, we'd see him as a walk-up best 22. He's got to perform. Um, which is just crazy considering where we were a few years ago. So it's good that it's a bit of a luxury that if, you know, if, if Oli trains the house down over the preseason, then yeah, he can, he can earn that wing spot, which isn't locked in yet. Mm, no, I absolutely love it. It's, it's good to have some depth. They're all good things. And I, I cannot wait to start getting into the preseason content, but look, this is definitely going to be our last episode for the year, unless there's some massive breaking news. Who knows what it could be. This mm. will probably be our last one but there'll be plenty next season and best 22s is the thing that I think we're all excited about. That's probably the, oh, yeah. the fun part of preseason. I started jotting mine down today in preparation for the start <laughs> and to get the, the brain ticking over thinking about it. So we got through the first night of the draft and we made it onto the second. What were you thinking as we kind of went into that thinking about, are we going to trade up? What's, mm. How's this going to play out? And then we did. Yeah, it was. Uh, I was away for the draft. I was over in Western Australia on, on a bit of a holiday. Mm-hmm. So following the draft was quite tricky because I was there with, with my lovely girlfriend who unfortunately, the, the possibility of me just being able to sit down for about 12 hours and watch every <laughs> single second of the draft just wasn't going to happen, particularly with the time yeah, difference. It was so. beautiful peak, lovely sunny afternoon in, in Western Australia. There was a lot of looking at my phone, checking KO, checking Twitter, particularly on the second day. I was also at a, I was at a wine, wine tour. So there were a couple of Stop drinks it. in. 
a little bit hard to keep up with what was going on. But I think after the first day, I was thinking maybe we won't get another pick because it felt to me those GWS mm-hmm. Sydney picks that I'd mentioned were the ones. And when Hawthorne jumped up, um, I think it was pick 18 to, to get Josh Weddle into that. I thought, oh, well, that's our opportunity. And initially I was thinking, yeah. oh, that was the one. We should have jumped up there. And then I guess I want to kind of break this down and get your thoughts and your take because Hawthorne yeah. got pick 18, but they gave up 27, future second, future third. Yeah. If that was us who would have given up pick, I think it ended up being 32, a future second, future third, which I don't think we had a future third in the first place because that was in the Blake Akers deal. So would you have to give up a third in this mm. draft? Is it, is it, Knowing that that's the capacity that made that trade happen, knowing that Hawthorne even had a better pick to give up, would you have wanted to see us land that pick 18? It's a funny trade-off to discuss because I feel like in the lead-up to a draft, we talk about, or at least me personally, those kind of past-the-second-round picks, so speculative. You never know what you're going to get. I don't want to put too much value on something like that. Yeah, And then we draft someone like a Lemmy and I go, oh, he's going to be a gun. Pick 47, yeah, don't worry about it. Like, I'm so glad we've got him. He's gonna. Yeah. He could be anything. It's hard to say. What? What? How? How would you have felt if if we were in? You know, if we made that move. Mm, I think I would have been happy if we moved up to that pick. But breaking it down, really looking at what Hawthorne gave up, I think it's just it's so much maybe mm. overs for maybe what we'd be getting there, and, and I guess what we ended up with was probably the totally. ideal scenario anyway. In the end, for not giving up as much as that, so. Yeah, mm. pick getting that earlier pick the way we did it, only giving up one pick for in a future rather than having to to get rid of a, a Jackson Bins option, future second, future third. I'm just not sure yeah. three players would be worth the one because really at, at that selection, there was still going to be some decent talent available a little bit later. Yeah, well, that's what I was just going to say. It, it probably would be even less likely if you knew that Cowan was mm. going to be there at 30. And yeah, and Nikki made the moves. How good was that to say? I, I brought that video of, uh, you know, the inner sanctum. Oh, man. All, all that draft content I absolutely love. I wish we could just see more Sorry, the behind man. the scenes of kind of hearing what they're talking about. I know they'd never show up, but I'd love to know who maybe they were looking at if Cowan wasn't available. Would we still have wanted to trade up? Was yeah. there someone we were desperate to get or did they want to go even mm-hmm. higher but someone else was taking i know they're never going to let us know these things but it's something i would love to see and it was interesting yeah. when we got cowan because as i said i was at this i was at a winery and i wasn't being able to watch it live every now and then i was i was jumping on twitter and it was after the fact that i just saw someone be like pick whatever cowan and i was like oh damn cowan's off the board and then i was like scrolling a bit further and i was like hang on a minute We've got him. Hang on. We didn't have that pick. And then I'm straight on KO scrambling to try and figure out what's going on. It was like this absolute whirlwind. And then it sort of hit me that we had drafted one of my sort of favorite players from the draft Mm. class, which then just kind of excites you even more. And I think what I guess excited me about this pick was, and and I did mention that he maybe wasn't that 100% need position wise. Like, are we desperate for a halfback? Do we need to trade up? that much for him but he adds class he adds that leadership 
And trying to maybe break down the list a little further. Yeah. You've got a Zach Williams that you maybe can't trust fitness-wise. Like, are we going to be able to get yeah. 22, 23 games through him and a final series? Adam Saad, give him the tick. And past that, you know, Doherty, is he going to move into the midfield a little bit? Unsure. Then there's probably that back pocket position, that maybe Nick Newman role, maybe up yeah. for grabs a little bit because, you know, you've got a Jordan Boyd wanting to come in as, as well. We're, uh, I don't think it's a bad thing to stockpile that position because we've struggled a bit in transition. I think at times moving that ball and trying to get drive, even mm-hmm. though we've got some of these players. And that's what Lockie Cowan's sort of trademark is, is he wants to attack. He wants to take the game on. He's another one of these running profile players. So for us to add that, add this class, someone who can, like a, a Sard at times, really boot that ball and actually hit targets, it's only going to mm-hmm. help us. And I, I do think that there is some capacity for him to move up and, and maybe he could find himself on a wing or, or maybe pinch hitting in the midfield. I don't know. But worst case, he's a booming half back that can replace someone else. I don't see it being mm. a bad thing. I like that Nick Austin with this pick went, where's the quality, people, and player? Just stockpile talent. Yeah. I, I thoroughly agree with all those points. I think thinking about the depth chart is a lot more nuanced than just like, well, we've got five half backs, so that's enough. Because mm. Nick Newman's now like... He's one of the oldest guys on the list. You're right about Williams. We haven't been able to trust him yet. So, yeah, I'm fully on board with that, especially when we're not absolutely craving somebody to fill a role. Um, I just I just can't hate on something like that. Mm, and, and I was probably most surprised, honestly, that we got the pick from Collingwood. Of all clubs, I was never expecting us True. to be able to get a deal done with them, particularly one that on the surface – Looks so straightforward. We get pick 30. We give up a future second round pick. We are happy yeah, with, funny. I guess, regardless of the play that we selected, just that transaction, pick 30 for a, f- a future second. Absolutely. I love, um, you know, I love betting on our ability for future seasons. It was like the, you know, like the stocker thing. It's like, mm. you know, we're, we're, we're going to show that we can fleece you here because that's going to be pick 35 or 36 next year. And that's just yeah. like another little little thing for us to prove. So, mm. yeah. Hell yeah. And, and I think, again, you can almost keep doing this every single year. Give up a future, bring in a pick in the current year's draft and just keep yeah. doing that every single season and pushing it back, pushing it back. That maybe one slight concern is due to the Acres trade, due to this one, we only have a first-round pick um, next year. Uh, we don't have a second or a third. Is that at all yep. concerning to you that we maybe don't have a lot of draft picks next year? I think when we've uh, when we're holding up the cup, we're not going to be too worried about uh, the draft period next year. I'm thinking by this time next year, you and I will still be uh, at kick-ons from the from the Premiership uh, weekend. Well, I'd love. To, I would absolutely love to be seeing that. But yeah, I think apart from that, like we we have. I think it's two fourth-round picks because we got another from the Setterfield deal. So you never know if you can bundle those up and, and move a little bit higher. Mm. Maybe this is a, the capacity as well for us to – maybe it's a Dow or one of these other players that you end up getting a th- second or third-round pick and bringing them back in because another player's developed yeah. and, and overtaken them. 
on the list, there's always a possibility Great point. of that. But I, yeah, I think if you if Nick Austin thinks that this draft class is worth it, then just go now. Why wait? I, I've always thought this with future draft picks. Like I sort of mentioned, you can always bring them in. You can always trade and do it for the next year. But you can't, once this draft is done, you can't bring in any other players. So go now. If you think the talent's there, go for it. Mm. And I guess the golden question which, with all these guys, which I'm, which I'm going to get your answer for for every single one, do you think we're going to – I'll say, how early mm. do you think we're going to see him next season? Maybe I'm just super bullish, but there is a good chance he could line up round one because of what wow. I honestly saw this season. Because of just the consistency, every single game I saw him play, he was one of the better players. He never seemed to drop a level. He, he just, and I think being in <laughs> a bit more of a defensive role, halfback, or, or probably most likely hiding a little bit in that back pocket. I, yep. I honestly believe that those younger players are a little bit easier to sort of slowly introduce them into the team rather than having to put someone straight into a center bounce or bring in a key tall. It's a lot easier to develop mm. them down there. How many times do you see, you know, Dacos from, from Collingwood have to start as a halfback because it's a bit easier to read the play from defense. Yeah. If that's his position already, there's a good chance that he could line up. And I would, for him, I'd be eyeing off that kind of Nick Newman role. And I'm not trying to say yeah. that Nick Newman's no good <laughs> and this guy's clearly just going to walk up start. No, but if he puts in the work... <laughs> there's any chance I would be hoping to wow. see him look as long as honestly as long as we're winning games of football if he doesn't play all season I don't care in the grand scheme of things of but if I'm wanting development from him I'm hoping to see him in the first five to eight rounds just because I, I think there's such a player there and I do think that he's one that's maybe a little bit more ready than some of the others we may talk about past this draft mm. pick Great answer. God, it's it's setting up a juicy, juicy season preview next year. I'm, I'm feeling mm. that you're going to come with some hot takes when we get to <laughs> best 22. So I wish we could just fast forward to that. 100%. So two picks later was our next one, Jackson. Mm. Yeah, this whole, like, well, this whole thing, as soon as I saw the Cowan move, I sort of went back into KO and I watched the whole next sort of picks play out because I knew we had a few coming up. So in an aspect... I was watching it live. It was interesting because I didn't have the draft board in front of me. It wasn't until after our selection that I realized that one of our favorites was still available in Ollie Hotton, who if I was watching live, mm-hmm. I probably would have thought that we were trading up to snag him. Ends up yep. still being available at pick 32. And so that was easily for me. I was going, oh, we're going to luck into Hotton here. This is so easy. How good is this? Mm-hmm. I was like, well, it's most likely him or maybe off chance it's Bins. Ends up being Bins. And so I I think Mm. initially there was a little bit of, damn, I really wanted the other guy. That was probably my initial thing, just off what I'd seen for the whole season. And knowing that we got that Oliver Hollins, we got that winger, we got the run. I was thinking we maybe were going to pivot a little bit and bring in that half forward, someone who can kick goals because that's another probably need that we've discussed that we're missing currently on this list, someone who has that eye for goal can pinch hit a little bit, maybe play that kind of Zach Fishery role, what we really want to see when we get the best out of him. So that was yeah. a little bit deflated, but then, you know, after that subsides and your personal bias goes away, 
you remember what player Jackson Binns is. You, you take it all in and you do get really excited because we clearly, clearly wanted some run. That's what we've targeted mm. again. And it kind of yeah. makes sense if you're as well looking at the possibility of an Oliver Hollands being not just a winger. Because for me, I think Binns is, there's no chance of this guy becoming that center bounce midfielder. I think he's definitely outside okay. with the possibility of maybe even playing high half forward role at times because he does love to attack and try to kick a goal mm. from outside 50. That is sort of a bit of a trademark from him. So maybe it makes sense in that aspect where, yeah, they just want to nail down that attacking wing role. Another one like a, a Cowan, like a Hollands, that their first mode when they get the ball is let's go. We're breaking right now. We're breaking this game open with leg speed and pace and endurance, all of that. Tick those boxes. So I think mm. when you kind of look at it all as a whole, uh, I'm pretty excited with what he is there. And, and I think that knowing yeah. he was one of the guys I was looking at already at that pick, it, it is pretty exciting. Is there anything that comes to mind for you? Obviously, there's lots of positive and yeah. You know, to the to the side of why we chose bins, but th- is there anything about Hotton that you know? If you could put yourself in Austin's mm. shoes, is there anything that might have made him go? You know, like was there a reason why yeah. you think he slipped so far? Because I remember you had him so much higher mm. in your projections, even than pick thirty two. Yeah, I I think I had him in like say my phantom draft or whatever. I think I had him going yeah. like pick sixteen to Sydney because it. There was Crazy. a bit of murmurs in the in the media that Sydney were a little bit into him, and I had him ranked 17th in my sort of overall talent as well. So mm. it was someone wow. I had quite high. Looking back, because when I did the draft preview episode, I was pretty big on, like, I'm not an expert. I've just watched these players, so I know a little bit about them. But the talent identification yeah. is where I'm clearly not versed. It's why I'm not a list manager and being probably the first year that I've really, from start of the season to finish, really watched all these guys and now sort of seen the draft afterwards, seen who was selected, who wasn't, who fell mm. away. I think the obvious thing for an Ollie Hotton is, and there was a few other guys that were kind of in this mold to a lesser extent that went undrafted or, or went in the rookie draft. It maybe comes down to not nailing down a position in under-18s mm. football because he's this... Okay. He's a half forward, but he's not the goal kicking. He's not, you know, that that amazing small forward that's kicking bags of goals each week. But he's not also mm-hmm. the midfielder that's dominating, that's playing ahead of everyone else. He's getting a couple of minutes in the midfield, pinch hitting, playing that high half forward role, playing it well, which is what I was maybe looking towards with Carlton, thinking we needed that position. But when yep. you're looking at just one age group of players, if you're not one of the best midfielders or one of the best forwards, you're kind of in between both positions. Maybe Mm. when you translate that to AFL, it's like, well, if this guy wasn't the best midfielder in, in his age bracket, then what are we doing with him? Because you're you're now in a bigger draft pool with a lot more ages. And I'd, I'd love to see this. And this is something I'm keen to keep an eye on in the next few years is the players that end up becoming those half forwards. Maybe they were dominating and being that midfielder, in the under 18 level, but when they transitioned mm. to the AFL for whatever reason, maybe they were too small. Maybe they were what, whatever attribute it was that they weren't going to be able to play midfield at the highest mm. level, but under 18 is something else. And 
they were obviously good enough to do that, but maybe that they just weren't good enough in the AFL, if that makes sense. And I just think that those little things, when you're looking at him not being selected that as high as a lot of people projected him, there's clearly a reason yep. that every single AFL team said, not for me. When it's only one yeah. or two clubs, you go, oh, maybe there's just a bit of difference. But every club seemed to not really mm. want to grab him. And that, for me, shows some alarm bells for certain things. Mm. Well, time will tell, mate. I don't, yeah. I don't want you to sell yourself short on your uh, your talent analysis because he wins the rising star. This is going viral. Don't worry. Yeah, about and, that. And, and look, I think he's a good player because he's shown those glimpses. But yeah, I'm going to nail it down to the fact that maybe these half forwards or players that aren't nailed on position, I think that they may be dominating midfield for under 18 and even VFL level. Like you see a a Will Hayes, for instance, dominating VFL footy is like an inside midfielder, but he's not an inside midfielder in the AFL. He's a winger. Hmm. And that's kind of this difference in class. And maybe that's something that hurts him. I think that's going to be, as you always like to do, the perfect segue into the final pick that we took. Because Mm. we spoke about this fella in the preview. Again, you nailed it. But I've heard lots of different things. What what position do you see him being? Look, Harry Lemmy, interesting one. I am so happy that in the draft preview I did, because I think I had him for our pick after this. But I did say Mm -hmm. with a little caveat that it's a good chance we take him with our earlier pick because he may not be available here, but I had so many players for that other pick and I've, half of them went undrafted. So great identification from me. Oh, but mate, you got it. I did mention him for Carlton and we ended up selecting him. I was hoping at this pick, we either get him or Scully. was probably looking a bit more at Tom Scully, maybe mm-hmm. for upside, but clearly that key forward or key tall was something we need to address in depth particularly down forward. It's just Harry. It's just Charlie. There's no one else developing there. So I'm pretty happy to take him as far as his position. Like he did play a little bit at the back end of the season down in defense. They they sort of have Mm. quite a few tools. They have Scully there as well. So he ended up, unfortunately, getting shifted out of that forward line because he wasn't amazing all season. Played a bit in Mm -hmm. defense with his height. There's a chance that he could maybe play a bit in ruck. I know listening to that video with Nick Austin, yeah, the word versatility was used quite a lot. And he's like, oh, we can kind of use him anywhere. That's exciting. <laughs> it is. It but is. it's probably it why, again, when we spoke about Ollie Hotton and you're talking about Lemmy, it's why he was this pick 47 or whatever it ended up being. I can't even remember. Yeah, no, you're right. That's the, that's the issue. He didn't necessarily nail down a position that he was amazing at. He was very high... On the draft rankings mid-season, he was like third for some people's rankings. Dropped off a lot. But mm. maybe unlike a Scully, he's got the leading patterns. He's got a lot ingrained. He just needs something, whether that's consistency, whatever it is. And to be learning under Harry, to be learning under Charlie, it's the best possible scenario for a guy like this. There's no pressure on him ever playing. And if he doesn't become a AFL player... Are you really going to be looking back in 10 years' time going, oh, we whiffed on pick 47, you idiots, Carl? Yeah, like, exactly. No. How many pick 47s and on become great players? But I think why people mm-hmm. are so excited and people on I mean, people on social media are crazy at the best times, me included. But I just find the draft analysis 
from people that aren't super interested. So strange where they go, oh, everyone's a steal. Oh, everyone wins the, the yeah. draft period and things like that. And it's, well, when you're looking at what you're sort of aiming for and looking for upside on players, yeah, there's a chance every single player we drafted becomes a dud. Big chance of that. Mm-hmm. Big chance they'll become superstars. You never know. It's hard to necessarily predict where their development takes them. There's a lot of factors that influence that. But when you're looking at need, when you're looking at who else was available, it's a tick because we wanted that developing forward. Ticks more boxes because we kind of still needed maybe some defensive depth. We got it. We need some ruck depth. Bring him in. I don't see a downside because, again, 47 doesn't become a good player. Who cares? Hmm. Yeah. And I think uh, it's um, interesting that you brought up that, you know, it's the, oh, the steel yeah. talk. I think, I think there is a lot of credibility to that, though, if, you know, like yourself who did, uh, you know, you watched throughout the season, you put together your own phantom list. You said, you know, oh, we've spoken about him so much, but you had Hotton going as a first mm. round pick before the draft and then yeah. he goes in the in the second round it's like well that's kind of the the definition of it really yeah but if people are just say you know people that just say oh every car plays a steal obviously it's you know just banter yeah and like the, honestly like going through it there was a bunch of picks throughout the draft that i was like oh they selected him at that pick interesting could could be great for him yeah 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 who knows the but there was definitely that. still plenty that went the other way and i think that yeah, there's going to be maybe some steals where you've just evaluated the talent higher and you can't believe he's dropped a little bit. Um, but I think for a guy like this, yeah. he is very much evenly rated. And I think it's just more he ticks a need. And you get excited by the fact that this guy at one stage was touted as being a top 10 talent in this draft as early as June of 2022. Mm. So a lot has gone bad for this guy, which if you want to look at the negatives, look for it. But the reason I think people get excited about the draft is, one, it's all these kids' dreams coming true, something that you and I fantasized about when we were kids. Oh, my God, imagine being an AFL footballer. And you kind of want the stories and you kind of hope that all these players play well and, and become superstars. Like that was probably the, the, the weird thing for me watching the draft was there were players that didn't get selected that I feel bad for. And I have no connection to them oh, at yeah. all just because – I'm like, damn, I liked you this year. I liked what I saw. And it's just sad that not all of these guys can actually make it. It's it's just one of those things. Mm. Though. Yeah. Well, that was going to be my next question. So is there guys that didn't get taken on those two nights that you kind of felt, you know, were there any kind of big ones that stood out mm. that I oh, should have gone to a team or, and, and also then we obviously re-rookied yeah. Ed, which... I think is great. How, what are your thoughts on both that and, you know, if there's any other players mm. that didn't get drafted that maybe would have thought would be good for us mm. or just should have been picked up in general? Mm. I'll touch on Ed firstly, and I'd love to get your thoughts as well. We yeah. obviously re-rookie him. He's still on the list. I'm very happy about keeping up. Oh, probably very happy is maybe a little bit too much. Mm. I am content with non fuss at all with, with basically Ed Kerno staying on the list. Don't expect him to be best 22. Don't even expect him to play any games for us next season. He can just be there. We know his standards are great training wise. He's always been one of the better runners for us and really got guys that work hard off the track has all those Carlton values. Seems to always bleed blue. If you want to say those little things, if he wants to try and, 
give some knowledge to the guys coming through about how we do things at this football club for no money and a, and a free hit. There's plenty of slots on this uh, list that can go to anyone. Why not Ed Kerno? What are your sort of thoughts on on keeping Ed? Love, love how you went through all that. I am also content and not fast, but in a weird way, I think if we didn't re-rookie him or like if we did, if he did retire, quote unquote, yeah. I probably I probably would be fast a bit because I don't think it, we would have really been have done him the best service if it was kind of like, yeah. you know, no, no real talk about it during the season. He's injured on and off. Um, and then it's just, and then that's it. Mm. So I'm with oh, you. I, I, I'm not. Yeah. Oh, it, it would have been a really sad ending for Ed if it was just. Right. Oh, yep, yeah, that's it. No real send off. And I understand it's a brutal industry and we need wins more than anything else. So can we offer him a farewell game when we need to be winning every single one? I don't know, but it's still, yeah, like you said, for there to be no sort of fanfare around it and just, oh, and we've brought in a kid instead. Sorry, mate. It'd be pretty sad. I do agree. And then to, I guess, answer your other question, was there anyone else around there? Maybe, because I, I do believe, and please someone correct me if I'm wrong, because I feel like I may be wrong. I've, I've tried to do the calculations, tried to look at everything. I believe we have one list spot left. I don't know yeah. if it's a senior one. Don't know if it's rookie. Because yeah. when we re-signed basically all the players that were rookies, they don't specify whether we've signed them on the senior list or just redone their rookie contract. Because I think all of them, except for I think it was always, had to go onto the senior list just by how many years they were on the rookie list. But I believe yeah. we have one left. And maybe with our... I think the pick ended up being about 57. I thought because we maybe still needed that half forward that we maybe would take a flyer on a guy like a Blake Drury, who I spoke about being that half forward that at times would go in the midfield, yep. look okay, move forward and kind of be that connector type player. He ends up going with the first pick in the, in the rookie draft to North bit of a free hit for them, but like, there's probably not a lot of guys to, to look at that we maybe could have chosen, whether it was another pick in the rookie draft, whether it was that later pick, like the two guys that were very stiff really were Mitch Sibikowski and Adam D. Lawyer, who were both like tough inside midfielders. Had okay. Sibikowski, actually, I want to get my rankings up here to just let you guys know where he yeah. was. Because uh, he, he was definitely high throughout the year and he sort of was one that kept dropping. I had him at 35, but I know a lot of people throughout the year definitely had him in sort of that top 20 but because he was just an inside midfielder that didn't have a lot of other strings to his bow, kept sort of dropping lower. Same with Adam um, Dialoa. I think that's how you pronounce his name. He, I had him 44. So there was definitely guys mm. that were selected that uh, I had lower than these two. So I felt a bit stiff for those. But if you're looking at Carlton's list, yep. we don't need inside midfielders. So those guys probably aren't getting selected. Uh, you've got Jackson Broadbent as one of the maybe second best Ruckman overall of how he played this season that went undrafted. Maybe you can mm -hmm. throw a flyer at him, but do we need another developing Ruck? I think Harry Lemmy suits that maybe a bit more, being a bit more versatile because Broadbent isn't like one of those Ruck forwards. 
And then maybe the other one is my man that I I talked up so much about being a goddamn superstar. Didn't even get drafted. Buddy, Archie Lovelock, <laughs> what are you doing to me, AFL clubs? He was probably another one that was that kind of crafty goal kicker that could that at least did play a lot of midfield, won the, the best on ground in the under-18 Sandfall grand final, playing midfield, mm. accumulating the ball. So that was probably an exciting thing with him where he was maybe the opposite yeah. to Hollands where he, for his club was playing midfield, but could play forward, but he goes undrafted. Yep. And like, as much as I talk about a few of these guys, I'm honestly not like super fast. There was no one that I was mm. dying for us to draft. And again, like I think I'm trying to reiterate for as happy and as excited I am talking about these players. There's a reason these guys were so low and went undrafted. Yeah. And so all these clubs went, no thanks and and that's just going as mm-hmm. brutal as it is that's that's what you go for and if it's ed kerno for a year of de- helping develop the youngsters instead of taking a flyer at someone yeah fine yeah yeah no well said well said and so i guess on that you know like you spoke about it, it seems like there's certainly a kind of type of player that we've gone with with uh, especially yeah. those first three picks so is there anything that you felt we didn't really address mm. enough with these four guys? And is it, you know, I guess we're kind of jumping ahead here, but the yeah. that one list, that one extra list spot, do you still feel like there's a type of player that needs to fill that? Or is it, you know, we'll see what we can get. It's another thing I'm really excited for because last season we had one list spot left, had a few train on players, Ended up selecting, I believe, none of them. And then we took that list spot to the mid-season mm. draft. Looks like we're probably going to do that again. I'd love to know if there's anyone that we're looking at trying to be a train-on player just to have, to have a look at. Yeah, I, I'd love to try and get to some open training sessions before oh, the season too, to see, to have a look and see those how those players actually match up at an AFL level. But I think you mentioned what we went for and it was clear pace and run. And I, I just actually want to touch on one thing that I forgot with ja- Jackson Bins when talking about the yeah. outside run and wingers. Obviously, Blake Akers, the defensive type, we're clearly looking for a bit more maybe attacking on the other side. What's exciting yeah. about Bins maybe compared to some other players that you could maybe look for on the wing? And it's maybe why we obviously went for him over a Hotton is mm. he can accumulate on the wing. There it was a few games that he was getting, you know, close to 30 disposals in really tough <laughs> games against some good opposition on the wing. Like it wasn't getting easy kicks out on the wing. He was working hard for them with his endurance and his running. And it's probably something we don't have. You look at O'Brien's best games. They were sort of, I guess, few and far between in the racking up ridiculous disposals. Yes. So to have a guy like a Bins that just seems to be able to find the footy wherever he goes is an element that we probably don't have when looking at our wingers. And that's pretty exciting <laughs> if you can maybe translate that at AFL level. Obviously, the kicking was a bit of an issue. You can sort of, I think you can coach that and you can fix that. But the fact that he's getting so much of the ball and being able to start attacks, that's maybe something that, we don't have on the list. So it was nice that we went clearly addressed the run, but went down different kind of avenues of that. It was okay. Some guy can build mm. it from defense, someone who can accumulate out wide, someone who is classy, silky can run everywhere and maybe also 
go into the midfield. And then if you're looking at maybe what we didn't select, the holes are really, I think, clear ruck, but neither of us wanted us to address that in the draft. We don't need another young ruckman. We need someone that can go now. And then probably was a, a, another goal-kicking forward, whether that was medium-sized, half-forward. I don't think we necessarily need that small, small. They need to have other elements to them. But if you're looking at our mm. picks, if you're looking at who's available there, there was no one really that stood out as that option. It was maybe a Braden George if we had traded up into that mm-hmm. Hawthorne spot, who, who I believe was available. I think he went pick 20, yeah, 26. So it was close to ours if we could have traded up. Yeah. But would you really take him over the other guys? I don't know. Um, I'm happy with what we selected. The list clearly isn't still perfect. We do mm. need to, to work on things and we'll see how it plays out next season it is going to be the interesting thing now that we think we're pretty much primed. But I was very happy with the idea that this draft completely, we had an issue of, as we touched on at the start of this episode, midfield's a bit slow. We need another dynamic. And we went for it. We attacked a deficiency. It seemed very calculated. It wasn't just, oh, we'll draft this guy and oh, he's best available. It was clear we had a plan and we targeted what we wanted. And it wasn't to the detriment, in my opinion, of other talent around those picks. All those guys were going in that draft range. What, what did you kind of make of the profile of play that we were, we were drafting? Yeah, I loved it. Uh, the, the first thing that came to my mind was I felt like we... Like the identity of this team just feels so much mm. stronger than it has been in in my memory. Yeah. Like you're right. It, the clear deficiency that has been, mm. I think, nailed. Like yeah. whether it's going to be nailed for the start of next season, like there's no yeah. way of really knowing that yet, but we'll see. And I think uh, just mm. on, on what you were saying before, I think the wing is going to be one of the most contentious points for Carlton fans uh, throughout next season because the power rankings for how people are seeing each of the guys that can run on on the wing, I think is going to be extremely, extremely varied. And I definitely don't have the answers yet. Like where does, Mm. where does Cottrell sit in this mix? Yeah. He's a forgotten man. With this this depth chart. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. He's definitely the forgotten one because O'Brien's probably the guy we're all going, Oh God, like it for a, Carlton supporter, you're a bit like, oh, he was just starting to maybe make that wing role to an extent, his position. Mm-hmm. And it's like, Akers comes in. Now you've got, all you've done is go and draft wingers. You've got like, oh, I feel right. a bit sorry for him. Obviously, I, at the end of the day, I'm a bit, want to be ruthless and whoever wins, wins. I don't care at the end yeah. of the day, which is maybe a bit harsh. But yeah, Cottrell's the interesting one because he kind of was a little bit more in that maybe Bin's profile of, he, I felt he was able to go forward a little bit and kick goals. He seems a really good set shot. In his yep. best games, he was kicking one or two. That's something that O'Brien doesn't have. If one of these mm-hmm. guys can also Agreed. do that, they can they can take him over. But yeah, I think the list, the sort of profile of the list shifts a little bit. We're, we're no longer maybe this slowish team now that we've got these extra kind of facets to our game. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't. I honestly. I can't wait to sort of sit on this a little bit, oh, research sense. it a bit more, and then come into a next season and, and do these depth charts and debate best 22s with you and everyone listening out here because I know 
Yeah. Every year that we're getting better, the best 22s become different because everyone's got someone else they think can play a certain role and trying to fit yeah. these guys in, particularly that we've got a couple unknowns in the in the draft class. Oh, it's just it's exciting and there's different avenues we can go in now. I don't believe that we've just drafted like the same player each time. It's like, well, this guy can kind of do this. Yes. He can do something slightly different. So if we need to change things up, if something's not working, I think we've got a bit more variety, at least on the outside, because mm. we clearly struggled with that this year. Yeah, no, for sure. There's going to be some good players that are not going to be getting selected mm. in games next year, which is a very, very good problem to have. Oh, yeah. So... I think you've done a fantastic job, mate, of, of building up the, the draft period and, you know, nailing all our selections, you know, all four, you knew we were going to get them all steals. So great job to you on that. Did you have anything else you wanted to talk about on how the draft went? Um, I'll probably have like one last thing, but I appreciate the kind words. Like it's something I, I've really always been interested in and hopefully next season I'll have enough spare time to still kind of watch a lot of the under-18s games and follow it so I can just keep getting a bit bit of knowledge to bring to you guys. Because I always find it so fun to be able to look at the draft and actually kind of know the players a little bit rather than just having mm. to read everything from two people because no one seems to really cover the draft at all. You can barely watch it half the time. They are under-18 under competitions. So the more knowledge out there, I think the better. The only other thing I really want to touch on, and this is for the real footy nuffies like myself that, that want to know all the things, because we did that the long rebuild of Carlton and we went through all the draft picks that changed hands and what that ended up being. You yeah. may recall last season when we brought Chera in, we did a bit of a trade and we ended up giving away a pick that was in this draft here. I think it was a okay. third rounder or, or one of the later picks. It ended up being pick 46. It ended up moving on from Frio to Hawthorne. So if anyone wants to try and in years to come go, who won the Chera deal? You have to factor in Hawthorne into this as well. But that player that we could have had ended up being Jack O'Sullivan with pick 46, who I definitely did not have in my top 70 players. Um, So look, could be an absolute steal for Hawthorne. Who knows? But I just thought I'd add that in there because it's always fun to kind of look mm. at what picks you may have had in that draft and, and who they ended up getting that maybe we could have had. And I'll, I think I'll take Chera every single day. Sorry, yes. big uh, O'Sullivan. Feels like a subtle little dig there, which we love to end an episode. <laughs> always. Um, but yeah, look, it's been a great year. Uh, it hasn't always been the best. Carlton-wise, a, a sad end of our season. I think the optimism's back and uh, I cannot wait to jump into all the content. I want to thank you, Lockie, for a bit of a sticking with me this season. It's been appreciated. And I want to thank everyone who's taken time to listen, whether you're new and you've just followed in the, in the draft content, whether you've been there the whole season, every single year we've been here. We always appreciate mm. it. If you want anything from us next season, let us know. <laughs> anything. I, always, I always do this so late, so maybe this is what I need to do. More plugs early on. Socials at Navy Blue Corner. Jump on the YouTube and and subscribe. We're going to do a lot of video content. We're looking at trying to make little snippets of the episodes out there for you guys to make it a bit easier to consume. The podcast will always be on your streaming services. If there's anything you want us to cover in the off-season, whatever it is, we are all ears. We love ideas. We want to collaborate as much 
with you guys about all of this and and hopefully us chatting Carlton can be super, super positive next season because oh, we're yeah. winning the bloody flag. But look, that's going to wrap us up for 2022. See you guys next time.